Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's get right to it. Right, joining us joining us now is Carl Calabrese. Carl, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Good to be with you. Now, good to have you on. Now, let's we'll start locally, but there's a lot of national qu- things I want to talk about as well. Uh, let's talk with the big uh, upcoming primary, NY23. Um, I haven't seen any polling on this, uh, but I'm hearing a lot of, you know, uh, people falling in line with Nick Langworthy. Is this going just as you assumed? Oh, not yet. I think it's it's way too early to uh, to even spot a trend. I'm sure the two candidates are... Uh, doing internal polling, and they'll keep those quiet for a while, uh, but eventually they'll get released, and maybe some other organizations will do some public polling. Uh, Tough to predict uh, a a very strange primary year. I mean, primaries are notoriously difficult to to poll and predict anyways because it's always a matter of turnout, and uh, it's going to be probably a very small turnout. As most people agree, this has been an extremely confusing year with changing maps and changing dates of primaries and multiple primaries and so uh, it's tough enough to get people to come out every june for a regularly scheduled primary let alone what we've gone through this year <clears throat> so um, that's going to be the determinant the the turnout <clears throat> i think you've got two situations here both candidates have certain inherent advantages going into this primary uh, one nick langworthy uh, his advantages he's state chair um, I would assume he has uh, good relationships with all of the chairs of the different counties, the 10 counties that make up NY23. Um, he will be prevailing on them to get their people in the streets, getting the vote out, and that's a big advantage. On the other hand, Carl Paladino has a very big advantage, and that is uh, these 10 counties essentially are Trump country. Uh, Trump won every one of these counties by huge margins. Uh, in Wyoming County, he won 83% of the vote. Uh, the Trump constituency, I think, uh, will be a natural Carl Paladino constituency. People who voted for uh, Trump did so because they wanted a disruptor. And uh, Carl it would be that at the congressional level. So uh, I think, I think the, he's got a natural constituency within these 10 counties. Uh, you're going to have two different styles of campaigns, and you're gonna ha- you would have two different styles of, of member of Congress, whoever gets elected. Nick Langworthy learned his craft uh, with Tom Reynolds. He was Tom's top guy for many, many years uh, during Tom's career. And, uh, you know, Tom was a, a very effective inside 
member of Congress. I, I don't mean that critically. He, Tom knew how to get things done. He knew how to make uh, deals with both sides of the aisle, how to come up with compromises. Uh, I think Nick probably learned that style and, and would continue it. Um, Carl Peldino, on the other hand, as I, I mentioned, he, he'll be a bomb thrower. He'll be a disruptor. Someone once said that people who voted for Trump essentially wanted to give the establishment the middle finger and Trump was their middle finger. I think a lot of that could apply to Carl Peldino as well. So I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how the campaign develops, how the two candidates uh, develop issues and, and advocate different issues and what conflicts may occur over, over those uh, differences. Uh, and then it's going to come down to turnout. Will the Republican establishment uh, bring out the vote? Or will the natural constituency of Donald Trump transfer over to um, Carl Paldino and come out that way? So that, that's what it's all about at this point. You know, we're seeing Nick Langworthy get state leaders behind him. Also, current members of Congress, um, some of them are throwing their support uh, to Nick Langworthy. Where does that play in this primary? Because, you know, for Carl, we've seen uh, Lee Stefanik uh, throw her support behind him. Uh, who has the advantage when it comes to stuff like that? I don't think it matters much at all other than it gets you a one-day press release. Uh, you know, it, it, that's about it. I mean, people don't say, gee, you know, who wh who does the congressman from the 3rd District in Indiana support in this race? Uh, and that'll determine my vote. It just doesn't happen that way. It'll get you a press release, people read about it, and then they go on to make a decision about who they're going to vote for, for any office, based on what issues are important to them and how how closely a candidate comes to meeting those issue expectations. That's how most people vote. And uh, I don't put much stock into these out-of-town, out-of-state endorsements for either side. Uh, since we last spoke, the Republicans now have their candidate, so do the Democrats, uh, for governor. Uh, what is the path for Republicans if they have any chance of winning in November? Uh, it's a path that is some, in many ways similar to the path any Republicans had to take in the past, but also different. Um, similar in this sense, in order for a Republican to win the state, two or three things have to happen. One is you need a low vote turnout in New York City. Two, you need a very high vote turnout in the rest of the state. And three, within that New York City vote, a Republican's got to get at least 30, 33 percent in order to have a chance uh, in winning. Uh, can that be done this year? Uh, I think there are a couple of issues that play to Republicans' advantage. First and foremost is crime. Uh, Kathy Hochul's numbers are not good on the issue of crime. Uh, Lee Zeldin has already ma made uh, that a top priority. I mentioned this on David Bellavia's show on Friday. If I were, if I were advising the Zeldin campaign, uh, my advice to him would be when you launch your campaign officially, let's say around Labor Day, I would do it in New York City. I would do it right in front of the district attorney's office, a gentleman named Alvin Bragg, who's made a name for himself by releasing criminal after criminal to commit crime after crime. Uh, and I would do it right in front of that office, and I would say, as governor, uh, I have the authority, and I will use it in my first action as governor to remove Alvin Bragg as district attorney. And then I would go on to pretty much recite a list of horribles of the criminals that he has let go, refused to prosecute, and then all the subsequent crimes they committed after he let them go. Um, I think that is a ticket uh, to winning votes in New York City, and that would be my advice to Lee Zeldin. We'll see if, uh, if he takes it or if somebody on his campaign gives it to him or if that's his natural inclination. But um, Kathy Oakley, I do not believe, will do that. Um, if he's willing to do it, I think that would give his campaign uh, a real booster shot right out of the gate. Uh, and then the second issue 
would be uh, fiscal uh, responsibility. Uh, polls are showing that the number two issue behind crime in this state uh, amongst its residents uh, is the issue of the state's finances, and I think he could have a field day with that too. So um, he's going to have to develop those issues. Maybe there's a third issue that comes down the pike, um, and he's going to have to, um, as I've said before, follow the, the dictum of one of our founding fathers, uh, Samuel Adams, who said that the purpose of a campaign is to put your opponent in the wrong and keep him there, and I think that's what he's got to do, and I think those are two issues where he has a chance of doing that. But I think he needs bold action, and, and pledging to remove Alvin Bragg as DA in, in New York City, I think, would be that kind of bold action. You know, you mentioned the crime, and it seems like every day you look at the New York Post, and the front page has something to do with a, another attack in New York City. Um, are you surprised that Democrats in New York that, you know, have majority in Albany, uh, it, it doesn't seem like they, they address that. They, they, you know, they rushed everyone back for gun laws that doesn't really address what's going on in New York City. No. But it seems like when more uh, voters, not only in New York State, nationwide are saying, you know, the crime is what is one of their top priorities, and it seems like they want to completely ignore it. Well, yes. Um, just just yesterday, a 14-year-old was stabbed to death in, you know, broad daylight at a, at a subway station. Um, this, this goes on all the time. It's, it's a huge issue in New York City and, and statewide for that point. The last Siena poll um, had 65% of, of New Yorkers saying that they felt that crime, they, they could see crime in their own communities and 60% felt that they could be a victim of crime in the next year. So uh, it's, a, it's a huge issue uh, across the state. Now, why won't Democrats uh, deal with it. I mean, you look at these gun laws that they're they're passed, they're passing. They're all meant to keep guns out of the hands of law-abiding people. <laughs> they have no impact on lawbreakers whatsoever. Um, it, it really is cover and and just theatrics. Why won't they address the the crime issue? Because I think they're afraid of being called racist. They're 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 scared to death of that. Even though minorities, African Americans, Hispanics rank crime as their number one issue. They want police protection. They want this crime this crime spree to end because it's their lives. It's the lives of their children and their family members and their loved ones. And yet I think Democrats are paralyzed with this fear of being called racist by the radical progressive left of their own party. And that prevents them from doing a serious, serious uh, effort to address the crime, the crime issue in New York State. Instead, they go after, you know, gun issues, uh, again, primarily to deny guns to, to legal law-abiding people. Um, my definition of a common-sense gun law is a gun law that disarms criminals and deters crime. Show me that kind of gun law, I'll support it. But what I'm seeing now is, is, is just, just a lot of hoops for legal people to, to, to jump through and really an attempt to make legal gun owners criminals uh, by saying if you if you carry a gun in a store that says you can't have a gun in that store, you could face four years in prison. That's what we're looking at as the answer that Democrats have for fighting crime in New York State. Now, nationally, obviously a midterm election year, Carl, and you and I have talked a lot about that uh, coming up. You know, with the um, overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, the Democrats see a, maybe a way to slow uh, what's probably going to be a, a big November for Republicans. How do you see that playing out? Do you see Republicans having an issue gaining as many seats as they might have planned a month ago? Oh, absolutely. Um, let, let's look at the issues that are important to American voters. Uh, uh, Pew Research uh, in their last ranking of issues, had the number one issue being the economy. Um, guns come in at number nine, 
abortion at number 11 and climate change at number 13. January 6th committee doesn't even register. Uh, so I, I think this is kind of the Washington bubble um, faculty lounge wishful thinking that uh, that the abortion ruling is going to energize Democrats and, and into a huge wave of turnout that's, that's going to at least blunt the Republican uh, off-year election. I, it's fantasy land. You know, I watching the, the news shows this morning, and, and again, the Washington people, they live in that bubble, and they were saying, well, this, this Dobbs decision, this is, this is going to motivate Democrat voters. And, and I said, wait a minute, what about the other side? What about the millions of pro-life voters that worked for 50 years to see this overturn that would show up in Washington every year for the March for Life in the hundreds of thousands. You don't think they're going to play a part in this election? You don't think they know that elections have consequences and that they need to continue the momentum of their victory? It's, it's this assumption that, you know, that, that identity politics that the Democrat Party has adopted uh, works, is at work here, that all women are pro-choice, wrong. You know, the, the, the identity politics that all Hispanics are for open borders, wrong. I mean, so you, you get a very one-sided view if you watch the, the, the uh, legacy media uh, or you read the legacy media uh, that there's only one side in this fight and that's the pro-choice side and, and they're, they're the only ones mobilized. Nonsense. Uh, th this is a very, very important issue. And by the way, most polls show that very few voters are single-issue voters that only vote on abortion, uh, and those that are single-issue voters, it breaks pretty much evenly beside, between pro-life and pro-choice. I found that out when I was running for office. It was very clear to me that uh, there are very few people who were single-issue voters, and of those, it was pretty much a 50-50 split. Um, the economy is going to be the issue, the price of gas, the price of groceries. Uh, this is what's going to drive this election, uh, and I, I think the Democrats are, are in for a wave. They're going to be facing a... a a red wave come November, at least in the House. I think the Senate is a little more open at this point, uh, you know, for a change of control. But time will tell as we get closer to the election and people begin to to zero in on candidates and their positions and uh, make a final choice. But, uh, but I think the Democrats are are headed for a real bloodbath in the House. You know, and that's another thing. You mentioned the January 6th uh, committee that doesn't even rank on what people are looking for going into the November polls. Um, are they to the, and they're still cutting promos. It's every time I go on Twitter, someone from the committee is cutting a promo for the next uh, public, public thing. Are they at the point now where they are going to throw everything at it because they think if maybe they get a, uh, you know, an indictment, if they get something, that this will rise to the top uh, of people's poll uh, of people's polling because you know I talk to people on the left and the right uh, friends of mine and let me tell you no one's bringing up January sixth when we talk about no. November no no one does I I have yet to meet the voter that says says to me Carl you know what really is burning my mind on and 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 driving my vote it's January there's a January sixth committee and the findings it doesn't exist it, again it's a mirage but I I think the real the real direction of the January sixth committee. And the real mission of the January 6th committee uh, is affecting the election secondary. The first and primary mission is to indict Donald Trump to prevent him from running in 2024. Uh, this is a continuation of the Mueller-Russia hoax uh, debacle that went on for two and a half years and cost this country $35, $40 million to find absolutely nothing. Uh, this is, this is the, uh, the recovery of that effort to try a new tact to destroy Donald Trump. And uh, that's, that's where I think it's going. And, you know, another another thing, speaking of voters going to the poll, is just another bad week for President Joe Biden. Uh, he 
you had the New York New York Times write an article about his age, which where was that two years ago? And you had the White House edit a transcript from something he said earlier in the week. Uh, that cannot be helping Democrats going into November. No, I mean, you know, I guess I guess the Biden administration could best be summed up that, you know, if it wasn't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. I mean, it's just one bad week after another. Um, there was a I read an article a few weeks ago that said you, there's going to be a three pronged effort to to get Joe Biden either out of office or announcing as soon as possible that he's not a candidate in 2024. And the three prongs is first going to be with the press writing stories like the one you just cited about his age and putting question marks uh, about his competency because of that age factor. The second will be, and this has already started, uh, major Democrat politicians, party leaders, openly questioning his ability to be president. You've seen that with with David Axelrod, for example. you know, just openly talking about he's too old, we've got to move on. And the third prong of that three-pronged effort will be uh, just a continual barrage of negative polls about how unpopular Joe Biden is, how unpopular his his positions are, uh, how little confidence people have in his ability to be president. And you're going to bring all those three things together and, and the the Democrat Party is is hoping that that strategy produces, again, uh, perhaps him stepping down. I, that's kind of a long shot at this point, but certainly right after the midterm election announcing he is he's not going to be seeking reelection in 2024. You know, and that's a speaking of conversations that you know are going on. I had a conversation this week with a couple of friends who don't politically agree with me, and they were talking about, you know, who is on the Democrats bench. It seems every day I hear about who the Republicans could run and who might be part of that primary, but it doesn't seem like the Democrats have the bench right now, and anyone that you do name on that bench lost to Joe Biden two years ago. Yeah, I think um, that that's true. They have a very weak bench. Uh, A lot of the names that they mention on that bench are almost as old as Joe Biden, Uh, but I think this week you saw the, uh, the preview of a new player coming off the bench, and that's the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who began running ads in Florida, urging people in Florida to move to California. Uh, talking of, talk about delusional. I mean, the, the, the migration has been one way, and it's been from California to either Texas or Florida. But yet he did that, and I think that's a sure sign that Gavin Newsom sees an opportunity in 2024. Uh, obviously, any, any governor of California, regardless of party, will, just because of the state is so large, will almost automatically always be considered a presidential candidate of their respective party. Uh, New York used to be that way as well. Um, but he, he sent a real signal that, that he's interested. He, he looks at the field. He sees a Kamala Harris, who I think, I think scares the hell out of Democrats of her being president, um, both being in office and having to run for office. Uh, and he looks at the rest of the field, and as I say, they're there's just nothing there. You know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg. You know, it's it, there's just there's just a lot of weakness there. And enter a a younger, you know, handsome governor of California, despite his record, which has been terrible. Um, his campaign ads in in Florida told you he's going to be he's going to be a player. And before I let you go, Carl, I have to mention the former governor of New York. Uh, we finally got the report on that book deal, and not good news for former Governor Andrew Cuomo. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, I mean, but yet the guy still has political life in this state, 
Joe, if you, if you look at the polls, he's got a very, very strong base of support amongst African-Americans in this state. And therefore, um, it, you know, he's going to be a player in the future. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of support amongst African-Americans within the Democrat primary. Uh, so you could see him, you know, running in a Democrat primary for some statewide office, probably the U.S. Senate, uh, and, and prevailing in that because of that strong African-American base. Uh, so he's, you know, it's bad news for him, but... You know, <laughs> Joe Biden is, or I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Cuomo is is not cursed with self-awareness. And uh, he's got a huge ego and a huge war chest, and uh, he's not going away. And uh, you're going to see him back in the future, I think. All right. Carl Calabri is always great catching up with you, and we'll talk very soon, all right? Thank, thank you, Joe. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 